0: you chose to worship with us today, Um, I have an announcement from Pastor McKenzie before we get started. All the parents and kids out there, if you have a child four years old through fifth grade in here right now, you might not have got the message that she wants to start Children's Church at the beginning of service, starting today, um, to give extra time to practice for the Christmas program. So if there's any kids in here that age, um, she'd love to have you up the ramp, and by that I mean out this door and up this little hill over here. (laughs) Well, I'm ready to worship the Lord. Before we do, I want to teach you something I do with my kids. I'm going to say, This is the day that the Lord has made. And that's your cue to say, we will rejoice and be glad in it. So let's try it. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Nice. Let's do that. That, that was great. Do it one more time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. I invite you to stand or sit, however you feel comfortable worshiping. We are going to worship the Lord this morning. Jesus, we are grateful for who you are. You are worthy. There are no other gods but you. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We choose to worship you today welcome in this
1: place This is the day that you
0: of God this week. I don't know if it's Thanksgiving season or the songs I've been thinking about, but um, uh, go ahead and be seated. You can be seated. Um, The Lord took me to Exodus 16 this week. Um, He's been showing me about his faithfulness through the story of the Israelites this week. That chapter outlines... um, them grumbling in the desert. They'd just miraculously been delivered from 400 years of slavery in Egypt by um, God parting the Red Sea and then miraculously, astoundingly drowning all of the Egyptians in the Red Sea behind them. They're free. And it's not long before they all start grumbling and complaining, you brought us out here to die. Um, And they forgot um, God's faithfulness. And They were starving. Oh, Moses, we're going to starve to death out here. And so God hears their grumbling, and he provides manna in the morning, and he he gives these very clear instructions. This is the part that really got me. Tell everybody to go out and gather as much as they need for their family, but just for that day, only enough for that day. Don't gather any more. And some of them did that, and some of them didn't. And they went out and gathered more, and by nighttime it was full of maggots. So I don't know, that part kind of blew me away, but um, as soon as I started snickering, the Lord kind of whispered in my ear, you've been like that, (laughs) and haven't we all? We forget the good things God has done for us, the battles He has won, the, the joy, the mercy, the grace that He's given us, and I was just kind of overwrought with how He kept providing he kept providing. They were grumbling and complaining, and he, but he remained the same. He was the same faithful God. Um, I don't know what that, if that ministers to any of you like it has to me this week, but I just encourage you, whatever desert you might be in, whatever struggle, your struggle might be, to, to remember God's faithfulness to you in the past. It can encourage you. It's been encouraging me this week. We're going to continue singing about his faithfulness this morning in the song that makes a declaration that we will bless his name. We will praise for him. Sing along with me.
1: I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now He won't fail me out in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. He's working all things
2: yes in our hearts for you today. Whatever it is that you are speaking to us about, have been speaking to us about, whatever you may speak to us about today, we have a yes in our hearts and in our minds for you. We want to do life your way. Our faith rests in you today. You are the God of all the universe, creator and sustainer of all things, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves before you today. This is your place. And we center ourselves on you now, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Open up our hearts and our minds to your voice. your word for us today and it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray and everybody said amen you may be seated and we want to prepare to receive our morning tithes and offerings today if our ushers would join us for that Jesus, we thank you for the provision that has come and the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today. Use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it. Build your church with it, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus.
3: The kids are playing,
4: are laughing, joyful. It's like a whole world to them, because for the first time they have received this precious gift. Operation Christmas Child gives our church an opportunity to touch the world.
2: It's a great adventure to evangelize.
4: You've got an army of volunteers that pack the boxes. They're helping OCC to take the gospel literally to millions of children. This is the Good Samaritan work that the Lord is looking for people to do. Getting people locally to think globally.
0: What I love about OCC is that they are intentional about pouring
3: into the lives of kids. They receive a box and also an invitation to come back and learn more about Christ.
4: We just don't want to just hand out a box and stop there. We want them to grow in their faith.
3: It's a great tool, an effective tool to reach communities with the gospel of Jesus.
4: It's exciting to get people to heaven, but it's also exciting to get heaven to people.
0: You'll find Operation Christmas Child empty boxes out here if you're interested in getting one of those and packing it. Bringing it back by November 24th goes to a really great cause, as you can see. I get the privilege of announcing the three winners from Trunk or Treat. Pastor McKenzie had a team of people judging, um, but she's up with the kids today, so she asked me to do this. So, drum roll, please. Thank you. Um, the winner of the Chili Cook Off was Becca Magistrelli. Is she here? Come on up. Woohoo!
4: It was yummy.
0: Congratulations. You're welcome. Um, The winner of the best decorated table was, drum roll. Good job. Larry and Carlene Toy. Are they here today? Yay. They are not. Okay. I'll get that to, oh yes they are. Yes they are. Hello, Miss Carlene. Good job. You had an adorable table. Okay, and the winner of the best decorated car, cool classic car, was Morgan and Shiloh from Golden Bell. And I don't think they are here. I'll get them this this week. But we had a great turnout for Trunk or Treat. Thank you, all those that helped and those that stayed home and prayed for us. It was a great community event.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a huge event. I- I wish we could get an accurate head count, but there were hundreds and hundreds of people coming through here, and so again, just every, every time we open up our doors to community events like this, uh, I just, I firmly believe this, that they're taking one step closer to the cross, um, getting, uh, g- getting comfortable with uh, being around believers in Jesus. And uh, comfortable with our facility, even, enough that they, they might even come in and, and visit, um, and, and be able to hear the gospel of Jesus. A couple of announcements I'd like to make that, that have to do with this week, um, and their're their prayer announcements. Tonight, uh, from six to seven will be our first uh, monthly prayer meeting. So the first Sunday night of each month from 6 to 7, we're going to meet in here, whoever can make it, uh, for just an hour of of prayer. We're trying to get ourselves prayer oriented when we're thinking about winning the lost uh, as we move not only into the Christmas season, but on into the Easter season following that. So tonight from 6 to 7, prayer meeting right in here. And then this coming weekend, 5 p.m. on Friday to 5 p.m. on Saturday is our 24-hour prayer vigil. If you've been thinking about which 30-minute segment you would like to participate in, we, we would I'd, I'd love to hear from you on that. And so I don't think I prepped Scott on this, but if you want to throw up my phone number here up onto the screen, um, I would love to hear from you what 30-minute time slot you and your family would like to participate in, so if you would text me that, and um, we're going to do our best to to map that out, you can come to whichever segment you want, 5 p.m. this Friday to 5 p.m. Saturday, 24 straight hours, we're hoping that there will be somebody praying in this facility, we're going to provide a prayer guide for you, it's going to be in the chapel, so as Sarah mentioned, up this ramp, out this hallway, into the, Uh, Other side of the building is our chapel area where our kids are having children's church this morning. That's where we will uh, host the prayer vigil. So we just invite you to show up and pray and then leave when you're ready to go. And people will be filtering in and out throughout that 24-hour time period. And and we're also partnering with Freedom Church, our Saturday night church that meets here. They're going to be joining us for that as well. So hopefully we get a lot of prayer in this week, and and we're just, through that, interceding on behalf of of those that are around us, our friends, our loved ones, our family members, co-workers, just want people to come to know Jesus, That's that's our heartbeat for this. Okay, today we dig into Revelation, how many... I'm just curious, how many in here have read through the book of Revelation? Okay, that's right. We, we probably, most of us have done that. Um, I'm probably going to say just enough today to disappoint you. I can, I can make one promise today. I am not going to pick a date when Jesus is returning In fact, if I called out a date on that, you could go ahead and go to your calendar and mark that off. It's not going to happen on that day because we know that no one knows the times or the dates, right? Jesus said that himself. So I I can pretty much guarantee you, if you hear somebody say it's going to happen on this day, you can pretty much just mark that one off. Not that Now, it might happen the day before and it might happen the day after. Um, but it, it, Scripture is quite clear to us in, in Matthew that, that no one knows the times or the dates. Now, we are told that there will be signs of the times. So what do, wh- when when is that? What does that look like? I mean, if you think about the book of Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation is, is pretty much the hub or the center point of, of prophecy, of, of apocalyptic Scripture, okay? book of Revelation is, is going to provide, we believe, the most information about that. This book was written in around 70 to 75 A.D. That means that the words that were written in the book of Revelation that John the Apostle wrote while he was on an island um, in exile... We're over 2,000 years ago. So for 2,000 years, 2,000 whatever years, the church has been anticipating the Lord's return. Now think about our, our calendar that we've been functioning on, right? We have creation over here. We put the cross right in the middle of the stage. And after the cross, we have um, we have the book of Acts. Um, so the church is is birthed and, and the church is beginning to grow and expand. And it's in this time frame that all of the letters, including the book of Revelation, are written. And then time marches on. 2,000 years of, of world history. The Bible just carries itself, Scripture carries itself, the book of Revelation carries itself through event after event after event. And I'm telling you that if if you lived through the dark ages, you could probably look through the book of Revelation and go, it's gotta be now. But it came and went. Imagine if you were a believer during World War II in Europe. Surely, that has got to be the end of days. It came and went, right? Well, so world history has been, has been marching along, and, who, and, and believers in Jesus, people who held on to Scripture, who dug through Scripture, it's likely that they could look around and, and, and find signs of the times. They could probably ascribe this or that to this or that in here and, and, and try to make it fit. And we've been doing that for 2,000 years, right? Even just in the last decade, I don't know how many millions, maybe even in, maybe upwards of billions of dollars have been spent by believers buying books about the end times and about how now we are definitely in the end of days. I mean, it has to be. And, and we find ways. We have, we have people way smarter than me, okay, finding ways to see this and this and grab this and this and drop it into here and, and make it fit. We're, we're still doing it, all right? And, and the book of Revelation is, is the center point of all of this and the book of revelation has fascinating imagery right i mean those of us that have read through it you've you've encountered it you've you've experienced it you've you've tripped over it stumbled over it and and you you've dug and and you you've read other people that have pontificated about it i mean this it's what we do and and we're fascinated right we're because because we know something that the the lost world does not know. Jesus is coming back, amen? It's our hope. We're looking forward to this. And we're pretty sure that the book of Revelation describes events attached to Jesus' return. Now, I can't stand up here and guarantee a lot of things. I I can't really even guarantee a timeline. And again, people that are way smarter than me feel like they've mapped out very well the events of the end times, and, and they could be true. We don't know when. We, we're not quite sure when it's going to start. There are some people, and probably the most popular viewpoint, is that a rapture is going to take place first. And when the rapture takes place, that will begin a timeline, the end times timeline, a time frame called the tribulation, the seven-year period of time. Now, it might unfold that way. There might be a rapture that happens first. Again, that's the most popular way to, uh, to lay out a timeline. Uh, I would really like to believe that. I would, I would really like to buy into that philosophy and that timeline. I mean, who doesn't want, what believer doesn't want to escape out of this place before tribulation happens we all would like that and we would all hope for that that's best case scenario for us in case you don't know what rapture is not heard that term before it's it's an event a a cataclysmic event so to speak where all the believers in jesus who are alive on the planet will disappear in an instant and we will be with jesus if the rapture were to happen while we were sitting here for instance we all of us who believe in jesus not necessarily everybody that goes to church, but everybody who has believed in Jesus for their Savior, for salvation, will disappear in the twinkling of an eye and and we will be with Jesus. That is the depiction of or, or description of this term rapture. Now rapture, that word doesn't exist in the Bible, but the description of us disappearing in the twinkling of an eye does show up. So that event what most people believe is that event will happen first, and then a seven-year period will unfold. That that is described in the book of Revelation, chapters four through the end of Revelation. Essentially, we believe describes end times events. Okay, sort of maps it out. I was again. I, I I would. I would like to wholeheartedly believe in a pre-tribulation rapture experience. That would be the best case scenario, but it just, it leaves me scratching my head a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Because there's enough scripture about separating the sheep from the wolves and, and, and the wheat from the chaff. There, there's things like that, but historically, thinking about church history, okay? Backing up to that that first and second generation of believers who who would have first read through John's words and, and would have passed it on to the next generation. That first hundred years of Christianity, their mentality was nothing like ours. Their mentality had nothing to do with escapism. And I, you've heard me say it many times, and I'll, I'll reiterate, it. I, I'm, when, when you dig into that first and second century of, of the church, you'll be blown away about how much they wanted to suffer for the name of Christ, how much they longed to suffer, how much they longed for persecution, how much they longed to endure for the name of Christ. They, they it was it was a credit to them it was it was honorable it was something they ran into not ran away from escapism was not part of their equation and that clouds things for me when it comes to the end times i just i just wonder i mean if if that's the framework if that's the mentality of, of of, those early believers. And then here we are, a couple thousand years later, very far removed from that mentality. Very westernized in our thought. We're like, rapture, yes. They would have not celebrated that kind of a thing. So, I... I just, I throw some question marks around that particular timeline, not sure. If it happens that way, great, great. I, I, I'll be thrilled, okay? But I just wonder if the, if the church will have to suffer a little bit, if the church is going to have to endure some fire, some, some persecution. When people corner me on this and they ask, well, okay, so what do you really believe? Here's where I stand, okay? This is what you really want to hear today, where I stand on this. I'm going to hope for the best, but I'm going to prepare for the worst. That totally sounds like I'm riding the fence, doesn't it? I'm going to hope for the best. Pre-trib, tribulation, rapture, bring it. Great. I'm going to hope for that but I better be prepared for something different than that. I better be prepared in my heart and in my mind. I better be prepared with the kind of relationship, the kind of walk that I'm having with Jesus, that I may have to walk through some fire. I may have to endure some hard times. I may may be forced to, to declare in a very difficult situation, I am a follower of Jesus, even if it means... You're going to take my life for that. This is the kind of thing that us Americans have never really had to endure. We've been insulated from this, our, and certainly in our lifetimes. But according to revelation and, and tribulation, there, there are going to be some dark times for people who are believers in Jesus. Whether... The rapture has happened or not if the rapture has happened then then it's speaking to people who come to believe in jesus post rapture but this is the kind of calendar sort of a general thing that that the book of revelation offers that at some point a seven-year period will begin whether rapture kicks it off or not and there's a there's a tribulation period that happens and 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 it has to do with, with God's judgment on the earth unfolding. And then inside of that, though, there's still hope. Inside of that, there's still salvation is happening. There's, there's some numbers that get thrown around. There, there's a the number of 144,000. And when, when you look at that, it seems pretty clear that 144,000 Jews Are going to come to believe in Jesus during that time frame, I don't know how other and I'm going to use quote unquote believers would ascribe themselves to that 144,000 at this point. There are some denominations that ascribe themselves to that number. You really can't do it. It's pretty clear that it's Jews. Twelve thousand from each of the twelve tribes are going to come to belief in Jesus as a Messiah during that time frame. Now. Think about our sermon series this year. We we have gone through this sermon series from Genesis, and now here we are in Revelation. And our sermon series is called Rooted. And it's very applicable to today. Because, see, if you're not rooted in Scripture, you're going to have a really hard time understanding what Revelation is all about. Maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't know this there are over 500 references or inferences to Old Testament in the book of Revelation alone. There are like 285 particular references to actual scripture and then another almost over 200 inferences to Old Testament. See, the early church who received this letter knew this scripture. We... we when we think of Revelation, we think of things that haven't happened yet, but so much of what it's referring to is Old Testament. If you're not rooted in Scripture, you're going to have a really hard time understanding the per, the point of or the purpose of Revelation. In fact, if you're not rooted and you start going through Revelation, it'll be pretty easy for you to just fly away wherever the breeze might take you. Whatever Commentary might throw out there whatever particular author that's trying to sell you a book might say, you might just buy right into it, and pretty soon you can get carried away with anybody that wants to say something about it if you're not really rooted. But if you're rooted in scripture, then you can dig through hard stuff, you can chew on hard stuff like the book of Revelation, and you can do so, and it's okay that we don't have all the answers. I'm telling you, we don't have all the answers. And anybody that tries to sell you a book that says they have all the answers? Hey, it, I, I'm included in that group, right? I read all of the Left Behind series. Word for word, all right? right, I've, I've, Myself have purchased books as well. I'm interested, I wanna know. We all are. In fact, first chapter of Revelation, you'll, you'll see here he says in it, blessed are those who dig into this. Blessed, blessed is the one who teaches about it and, and, and blessed is the one who hears. Okay, we're 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 interested, we're intrigued, we want to know. I'm just I'm just throwing a little bit of caution as as we, as we dig through Revelation. When you dig through Revelation on your we can't go through the whole book today realize that there's a lot we don't know and when it unfolds we're going to be like "Ah, that's exactly what he said oh that's exactly what he said it's going to happen and check 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 the boxes will start getting checked that's all of that right there is chapter four through the end of revelation chapters two and three are letters to seven churches so I'm working backwards here, okay? No, it's not a normal pattern. But I want to work backwards because chapter 1 is where we're going to read today. Chapters 2 and 3 are, are letters to seven different churches. They're in the Asia region, okay? Kind of like in the area of, of modern-day Turkey. And, and these, are, these are short letters that, that are sent out to these churches. Or, or these are short paragraphs that are, that are sent to these churches, And it's interesting, when you read through them, there's positive things, and then there's definitely negative things. There's like, hey, I see, God is like, I see you, I see this great thing about you, but let me tell you, i got to call this out. Hey, I see this great thing about, but i got to call this out. Now, I'm not going to have this up on the screen, but I I just want to read this over us. This is the last letter. This is the letter to to the church in Laodicea. If you have your Bible, it's in chapter 3. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. I just allow these words to be washed over you. Because let me explain something about the church in Laodicea. I I I see the church in America here. It's a couple of things about this area. Laodicea was wealthy. Was very wealthy, independently wealthy. In fact, there's this historical account where this. Massive earthquake happened and leveled the city of Laodicea, which was inside of the framework of Rome. But you know what? They didn't ask for any help. In fact, they rejected all governmental help. They said, nope, we got this. We're going to do this ourselves. There was this pride. There was this self-sufficiency, this self-reliance. And the city rebuilt itself. It's a remarkable story. This is the vibe, this is Laodicea, and the church is inside of this vibe. Another thing about Laodicea, which is interesting, is their water supply. They didn't have um, a, a river uh, uh, running, they, they, they pulled their water out of an aqueduct, which was about six miles away, and so by the time the water got to their taps, it was very lukewarm, now, with that in mind, listen to these words. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, and I know that you are neither hot or nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other because you are lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold, and I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. This is, this is Laodicea here. But you do not realize the truth about you, that you are wretched, pitiful, you're poor, you're blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and and have white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and, and put salve on your eyes so that you can see. By the way, that was, they had, they prided themselves on, on this thing, the salve that they had created. And it was part of what they would sell to the rest of the world. So all of these, all of these words are coming directly to them in their context. It's amazing. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What's remarkable about that verse is we pluck that verse out and we evangelize with that verse, right? I mean, anybody that's been in the church since the 70s, Yes, that shows my age. We used to have this card with Jesus knocking at the door, an old-fashioned picture of Jesus knocking, behold, I knock. That's this verse, right? And it was an evangelism tool. Now, it's a great evangelism tool, and I'm not saying this verse can't be used for evangelism, but realize this verse is being spoken to the church. Inside of this chastisement of of the lukewarm church is where this verse shows up. It's like Jesus is coming to the platform of the church and he's like, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. I know you're coming to church every week, but I'm knocking on your door. And if you would open your heart to me, I would sup with you. Church is supposed to be about us and Jesus. Is it for real in your life? Or does it smell a lot like Laodicea? To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Isn't that remarkable? That's just one of the letters. So, to the real reading for today. Revelation chapter 1, just verses 1 through 8. And it reads like this, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those Who pierced him will see him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, and who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. What an introduction, right? What an introduction so here's John on on this island in exile, and he's there because of his faith and his teachings about Jesus, so he is being punished, persecuted for his faith he's in the middle of this reality and he moves into the spirit on this island and he has this this encounter and this Encounter begins with this who was and is and is to come God. R- remember john John is one of the apostles. This is not second hand information to John. He was there with Jesus from the beginning of jesus teaching time on earth. John walked with Jesus. John was there. At the cross. When others had fled, John was there. There's a dialogue between Jesus on the cross and John Jesus is like, John, I need you now to take care of my mom. It's like, okay, I will. This this one, this eyewitness account, this this is first hand knowledge. And now he's in in the presence of Jesus again, who has died, risen from the dead, and has ascended into heaven. This is years later from those events. And John is drawn up into the Spirit and has this face-to-face encounter with this Jesus again. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what soon must take place. Amen. We're like, yeah, okay. I don't know what you mean by soon, but it's been two thousand years, Jesus. And when I think of soon, I'm thinking of like drive through, right? I mean, I got my order here in the speaker, and I'm turning the corner. That's soon to me, right? Um, it's a it's an okay word, but it's not really the best word, the, the, the best word that comes out of, out of this Greek word would be more like rapid. And, and I say that because it, it might bring a little bit better context to us that, that when John writes these words, it's not that he meant this is going to happen within hours or within days or even within years, but that when it happens, it's going to happen rapidly. When it begins, it's going to happen rapidly. In other words, as we're we're looking through the prophecy of this, when timing starts, it will happen step after step after step after step after step after step. In other words, it wouldn't be proper for us to look at the last 2,000 years of world history and go, well, chapter 5 of Revelation happened in 100 A.D. and chapter 6 of Revelation happened, You, you, you can't calendar it out that way. That would be, I I think, a better word, and and commentators that I looked at agree, instead of soon, which brings a different kind of imagery to our minds, rapidly would be a better, that must rapidly take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything that he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You can, you can see that John is making Jesus Christ the center of this whole thing. Blessed is he who reads it aloud and blessed is he who hears it and takes it into heart. Okay, so to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from who is and who was and who is to come. So he's ascribing the reality of, of the def- of God the he always was he is and he always will be aspect of God okay and then he goes to this confusing statement and from the seven spirits before his throne what is that referring to well it's referring to Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 if you're able to peek back to it it's a description of, of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a description of the functionality of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 11 starts off talking about Jesus. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. You've heard that, right? Christmas time, this is a, this is a, a prophetic word that, that refers to the birth of Jesus. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And then it describes the Spirit. In in seven ways, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of of the fear of the Lord. These are seven descriptions of the spirit of God, and it's strongly believed that when it's referring here in Revelation 1, from the seven spirits before its throne, it's a direct reference to isaiah chapter 11 describing the presence of the holy spirit here so what do we got we have we have yahweh we have god the father now we have a description of the spirit and from jesus christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth and we have this clear description of jesus he's 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 engaging and encountering the reality of the trinity here in this in this moment, in this vision, in this experience. Jesus, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, pointing right directly to the cross. This only happens because of the sacrifice of, Jesus, a key member of the Trinity, cramming himself into flesh, dwelling among us, becoming human, and submitting himself to the cruelty of the cross, shedding his blood. He has shown his love for us, verse 5, and has freed us from our sins and has made us to be a kingdom and priests. Because of that, the result of that is we now have a new destiny, we now have a new reality, we now have a new purpose. For those of us that have believed in Jesus, we're no longer orphans, we're no longer slaves, especially us Gentiles, and that is all of us in this room. I don't think there are any Jews in this room today. So for us Gentiles, it's especially true. We were on the outside looking in all the way through history when Jesus dies on the cross, he doesn't just do so for Israel. In fact, it's Israel that puts him on the cross, and it's Israel that rejects Jesus. And so the back door opens up, and he goes out, and he starts inviting us Gentiles into this thing. That, that's the truth about us. We were on the outside looking in, and now our reality is he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve. Is that a good thing? Well, it really should be a good thing. In fact, he follows it up by saying, <laughs> to him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. I mean, what an amazing turn of events for us. That Jesus would do such a thing. This is how the book of Revelation begins. It's not looking forward. It's actually looking backwards. Looking upwards. And then he says, see, he's coming on the clouds. Now this is not a surprising thing to John. The reason it's not a surprising thing to John, it's actually confirmation for John to see this and experience this. Because he was there when Jesus resurrected from the dead and then began to show up in and out, in and out for a few weeks. Jesus walks John and his fellow apostles, his fellow disciples to this mountaintop where he says a few words to them. And they watched him take off like a rocket and ascend into heaven on the clouds. And Jesus' words, in that context where uh, he will come, I will, I will come back again in the same way. So, here we are, a couple decades later, in, in the spirit, in this vision, and, he, and he, he sees this event. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Not a surprise. That's exactly what he said he was going to do. Look, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Now for the scientists in this room who understand that we do not live on a flat earth it's a globe, it's a ball and I am thinking, okay, All of Scripture, it it has to do with Israel. Now, I'm pretty sure that's on the other side of this ball that we live on. And I'm fairly certain that line of sight is problematic. I don't know. I don't... Maybe, maybe Internet, somehow, all... All I know is this, what is said right here is said right here, and what is said right here is meant. That when he returns, every eye will see him. Somehow, a miraculous thing is going to happen that's going to allow us, no matter where you're at on the globe, to be able to see the, the coming of the Sun of God on the clouds, even those who pierced him. Now, that's a that's a really powerful statement. That even those who are responsible for rejecting Jesus and driving the nails into his hands and to his feet, and the spear into his side, and the, and the crown of thorns into his skull. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. I'm thinking, is that really going to be my response when I see him? I I mean, I'm telling you, I I think I'm going to jump for joy and celebrate. But I'm wondering if the reality of this little passage here is when I see the scars, I'm gonna see the results of my sin and I'm just gonna mourn because I did that to him. Because my choices put the nails in his hands. My sin put the nails in his feet. Think about it. This is probably a pretty accurate description of our first response when we see Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Who was and is, and at some point, who is to come. With your eyes closed, the worship team coming to get into place, we, we want to respond today with, with worship. Worshiping this one who was and is and is to come. Worshiping this one who stretched out his hands on a Roman cross and suffered and died because of our sin. Worthy of our praise today. I'm just I, I, there's that yes, man. I keep coming back to to that to that letter to Laodicea. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This really wasn't an, an evangelistic verse as much as it was a a reality check to a, to a. A spiritually dead church to to a group of people that were were coming together for worship and and a group of people that were coming together around the Word of God, a people who were coming together around the, the belief in Jesus as a Messiah it, it, man it looks a lot like the American church today. Jesus isn't saying these words to... A lost and dying world outside of the walls. He's speaking right to the people inside the walls. Yeah, I wish you were hot or cold, one or the other. You're so lukewarm, I just want to spit you out of my mouth. But I'm not going to. In fact, I'm going to call you to a place of repentance. I'm going to call you to a place where I'm just going to remind you that I am your first love. I. I am the one who was and is and is to come and I am the one who bled and died for you. Would you just become a little bit passionate for me once again? I'm knocking at the door of your heart begging to come in and to sup with you, to eat, to have communion with so i just put it out there church to you as i'm putting it out to myself inviting you to respond to him whatever way you need to respond to him we're going to worship we're going to sing we're going to give ourselves over to worship we invite you to do the same you can pray you can you can come and kneel here make this an altar you can kneel right there At your chair, you can stand and worship. Whatever whatever you need to do today in response to this revelation, it's you and Jesus.
4: Inviting us, you're inviting us. Come close, come close, turn around, come back, come near. Jesus, you are knocking. You're begging, you're asking for us to come close. Will you talk to him now? Will you tell him you want to turn around? that many times this week we have not come close. We have run to other people. We have run to books. We've run to YouTube. We've run to our bosses. We've run to our money. We've run to anything besides you. We admit. Will you remind us today to run to you, and not money, and not the internet, and not people, that we would run to you. The one who is, the one who always has been, and the one who will always be, our King, our Lord. Would you help us?
2: Clap offering. We honor you today, Jesus, for what you have done for us, for who you are, who was and is and is to come, and for what you have done for us, shedding of your blood, setting us free. The declaration of the first few verses of the book of Revelation. We honor you today, you and you alone. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. May his countenance come upon you. May he fill you with his peace and his presence this week. Have an amazing one. We'll see you next time.
5: You died for me. You said
3: You're working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I...